Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Happy Mama Movement podcast. I'm Amy Taylor-Kabaz. I would like to start by acknowledging the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation on which this podcast is recorded as the traditional custodians of this land and pay my respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. And as this podcast is dedicated to the wisdom and knowledge of motherhood, I would like to acknowledge the mothers of this land, the Elders, their wisdom, their knowing and my own elders and teachers. Welcome back, Mamas. This week on the podcast, I'm speaking with Mama of Three and author Kathy Spooner about her new book, Conscious Motherhood. And what does that mean? What does it mean to be a conscious mother? After our conversation, I can say very clearly, it's not what you think. It isn't about being perfectly aware in every moment. It's not being a guru of motherhood, consciously moving through your day, aware of everybody's needs and what you need to be doing. No, the way that Kathy explains to me and we talk about in this episode, being a conscious mother is being in the imperfect beauty of motherhood. It's about being aware of your thoughts and feelings. And even if you can't catch yourself from the messy moments, it's being able to step into a space of reflecting on those later and finding the beauty of them. I loved this conversation with Kathy. I know you will too. And at the end, she has a special offer for you. But please listen to this with love and openness because really... The beauty of this stage in our life is how imperfect we are in it. Enjoy. Kathy, welcome to the podcast. I am holding in my hands your recent book, Conscious Motherhood, which I have loved reading and exploring and getting to know your story even more. So thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So... Let's start at the beginning, as I seem to say at every episode. What was your expectations of motherhood when you were going into motherhood? What did you think it would be like? Yeah, it's a great place to start, really. I think like so many women, I was I was ready to be a mum and I have a nurturing nature. I was just like my expectation was that this was going to be probably not so much challenging until the kids were older. Like that was my perception, you know, like when you've got these crazy like 10-year-olds running around, it's really intense. Or when they're teenagers, it's full on. And so walking into motherhood, I felt like those early years were going to be easy. I was like, I've got this. Like I can love with everything I've got this is going to be fine. Maybe there'll be some sleepless nights, all that sort of stuff. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite 
the enormous shift in perspective when you're actually in it. It's like, hang on a minute, nothing that I felt this was going to be like is actually the majority of this. Like it's the reality of raising a human and navigating your own emotions and growth through that transition is something that's almost feels in hindsight, I'm like, gosh, I wish I knew what I know now. But at the time, it felt impossible. I was like, how could have anyone actually prepared me for this? Because I'm so mm. unprepared. Mm. And how did that manifest? That lack of preparation. That almost, I hate to say it so bluntly, but that misunderstanding mm. in a way of what early motherhood looks like and and will feel like. How did that manifest your in your experience? Yeah, so for me, for my first son, I had a traumatic birth and just went on life afterwards. You know, I just was like, I'm a new mum. This is really full on. But like number one baby in hindsight for me was actually not as challenging as number two. And so with number one, I faced all those same challenges as everyone, you know, like, oh my gosh, the sleep deprivation is next level. Who am I amongst all of this? Like, I feel like I've just completely lost myself in being his mum. But my massive challenge for me came with the birth of my second son. And after he was born, I was diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and PTSD from the first birth, which I actually didn't know that I'd had at the time. And I put the pregnancy, I felt, you know, pretty terrible during the pregnancy, but I put all of it down to hormones like most people. And I was like, you know, it's normal to feel sad every day. Well, actually, no, it's not really super normal to feel like that all the time. So it really rattled me that second birth and the subsequent months and years, in fact, after that. And so much of it, I did a lot of work with obviously like psychologists, but a lot of my own inner work and just really, I didn't actually look outside of myself. I didn't listen to a lot of podcasts or read a lot of books at the time. I just felt like to get through these, I have to just come back in here because that image that we talked about of like how motherhood you know, my expectation of it, I felt like I could not have been any further away from that space. I just felt overwhelmed. I was always anxious. I felt like I was failing my kids. I felt ashamed. I was like, oh my gosh, like everybody has got this sorted and here I am falling apart, which is so not the reality. We know that so many women experience mental health issues, but also challenges with motherhood. And we often don't hear people talking about it outside of sleepless nights and babies who can't poop. You know, it's kind of like Mm. that story doesn't get told very often. So those years were the, the hardest for me. And when was that? So my son is eight, this second son. So I've got a 10, eight and five-year-old. So yeah, the, the really challenging time was when my second son was, was born. And then you had a third baby. <laughs> she was a surprise. I mean, <laughs> so many as the third babies are, mine too. <laughs> I thought yeah, I was done. I know. They always have their own plan, don't they? And so carrying that experience of the first two, Mm. but then also from what I hear, doing so much of that inner work in that space after his birth, what was your experience of the third baby? It was completely different. Everything about it felt different. Her 
birth felt different. Those early days with her was so different. I felt a much stronger connection to her. Um, and I just softened into motherhood. I'd learned so much about myself. I was much more grounded in the experience of motherhood that I sort of, when she was there and we had those challenging moments, I was able to just kind of soften and be like, okay, this is just all part of it. And this is a phase and this is a moment and this is not going to be like this forever. And so it was a lot easier for me to not get caught up in some of those really big feelings. I definitely had challenges. I think when you've experienced mental health issues, there's always this little voice in the back of your head. Like every time you're really upset, you think, oh my God, is it coming back? Like, is this going to take over my life again? And that fear of falling back into like depression or severe anxiety, that fear in itself can be just crippling for women. So there was always that in the back of my mind, but same thing. I was like, you know, this is not as bad as it was five years ago. And I've come through that, like that was a lot worse then. And so I guess sometimes when we go through those challenges too, and you learn about yourself and you learn about motherhood and how the reality of it and how beautiful and wonderful it is alongside how incredibly like challenging and heartbreaking sometimes, you know, it can feel the emotions we go through can feel so intense. So I guess it's that, you know, once we learn that we just, yeah, I really softened into that third one. I love that. It's such a beautiful way to describe it, softening into it, because in those early experiences of motherhood, it is so hard in terms of your body's hard, everything's restricted. It's this energy Mm. of, oh my God, what am I doing? I'm getting this wrong. And it's this real hardness within yourself and around you and everything you look at. And so when you then describe the opposite of that as this softening, you can feel the difference. You Mm. can feel, yeah. But I also hear in you a belief in yourself the third time. Mm. I got through that, so I'll be okay. And I think that's the beauty of of this experience, isn't it? That it brings us to our freaking knees and Mm. breaks us over and over and over again. But on the other side of it, God, do you know your strength? Yeah. And isn't it incredible how when we're in the middle of that process, we probably couldn't feel any more disconnected from our power or, you know, we don't feel courageous, we don't feel strong, we don't feel like we can get through it. But it's like when we're in the middle of it, that's where we're fostering all of that, you know, belief and power, you know, and it's not until we just take that one step outside of there that we go, oh, hang on a minute, actually, yeah, okay. I can do this. And it doesn't necessarily make everything easier. I think what it does is it reminds us that there is that light at the end of the tunnel. It doesn't take away the challenging or the hard moments, but it just reminds us that like, oh, I've been through this or worse. And I know that that light is there and that it's going to get easier. And I'll walk out of this and look back and go, oh yeah, that's right. I'm pretty awesome. (laughs) That's it. And in that place, It's really also about uh, making sure that you surround yourself with the people, the tools, the things you need to move out of that place. You talk a lot in your book about, you know, 
it's almost the holistic team we need mm. to move through these challenges of matrescence. We're not meant to do it on our own. We hear that all the time. But this is also about sometimes needing antidepressants, sometimes needing a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a hypnotherapist, mm. a kinesiologist, a massage therapist, whatever it is. Like yeah. that is the strength in this as well, mm. isn't it? Yeah. And there's also it's that concept of, you know, when everyone says, oh, it takes a, a village to raise a child. And then you see that quote where people say it actually takes a village to, to raise a mother because we walk into this as women with, like you said, those expectations. And we also think that we can do it all on our own. And it's nothing that we've ever experienced before. And it's this whole new process for us. And we kind of just get thrust into it because once the baby arrives, it's like that split second moment and everything changes. Nothing's ever the same after that. And so having that support team and being able to ask for help, that is hard. Like I found that incredibly hard and sometimes I still do, but you need a network and you need to be able to say, you know what? Yeah, I do need to see a psychologist. And yes, for everyone's health, maybe I do need to take antidepressants at the moment. Or yes, I need to go and have a massage. That's not a treat. That is imperative for me to be able to fill my cup and be able to operate with a functioning nervous system and, you know, all those things. So yeah, the support team and the village is just as imperative for the mum as as the child, isn't it? It so is. And I really appreciated in your book how honest you were around the struggles with your body. I think in the mummerizing training, we talk a lot about the different ways matrescence affects us. You know, for some mm. women, it will be their lack of identity in their career. For mm. others, it will be a real separation in their relationship that is the real point of pain and struggle. And for so many, this and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm using the incorrect word, please correct me with the the way I was reading it. It was a real disconnect from your body. You described beautifully that, you know, you were getting ready to go out and you're looking at your wardrobe and you're trying on all the different outfits and mm -hmm. even the fail-safe dress. You know, we've all got that fail-safe yeah. outfit. Like no matter what, no matter how shitty I feel, bloated I feel, PMS, whatever it is, there's that yeah. one thing that always makes me feel good. And even that you put on and it just made you feel awful. And you went into the bathroom and looked in the mirror and you, like it actually made me emotional reading. It was beautifully described of just looking in the mirror and thinking, what what happened to this to this body that I have? Yeah. And so you explain beautifully the mental and emotional challenges, but also this is a very physical challenge for so many women as well. Our bodies won't ever be the same. And they are deeply imperfect after childbirth and motherhood. But yeah. to find our way back to looking at ourselves in the mirror and seeing the beauty in there. I know you say in the book that you, this is obviously still a work in progress, but for everyone who's listening and that is their source of pain, this feeling of, oh, I just don't feel good in my skin anymore. Mm. Can you talk to that for me? Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up because it really is a work in progress for me and it is, it is such a common thing for so many women at some point 
to come out of pregnancy and those early years and just feel like they don't feel comfortable in their own skin. And I think sometimes we look at it really surface level, like, oh, it's just, you should love your body how it is and your body's amazing and eat the right food and do exercise and you'll feel better. But I, for me personally, I feel like it's a really it's a very deep experience for me. And if I'm unable to look in the mirror and feel comfortable with who I see, the physical body that I am in, although it is not all of me, it is a huge part of me and it feels connected to my soul. I'm not separate. I feel like this part of my body is this part, but they're entwined. If one's off, the other one feels off. So for me, over the years, I'll be really honest, I have tried all the like I just want to love my stretch marks and I just want to like love that, you know, my, my bottom's not firm and like all of the things and my saggy boobs and all the, you know, stuff. And it's, it has, it's not just like an on switch for me. I can't just say, oh no, that's because I had beautiful babies and I'm so grateful because if I didn't have them, my body would, you know, it's, it's worth it. And I'm like, yeah, that's all true. But Sweet, flipping that switch is just not super easy for a lot of women. So for me, learning to love myself on the outside has actually come as a secondary part of loving myself on the inside, if that makes oh, sense. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So the more I believe in myself, the more I am kind to myself and show myself compassion. And, you know, if I'm not getting on the treadmill one day, or if I'm like yelling at the kids and I'm just like really kind to myself and I look in the mirror and I think I look horrible and tired and like a complete wreck, I try to change that mindset and just talk with a lot more kindness to myself and know that I'm giving this everything I've got and that it's actually okay that I'm not always going to look or feel good. But the more I foster that like inner self-love, the easier it becomes for me to look in the mirror and feel comfortable in my own skin. Yes, because when we look in the mirror, we're still seeing ourselves through the cultural story of what our body should look like. And so if we're going to try and accept the external, it has to start with accepting the internal. I freaking love that you said that. It is so true. And also thank you for your honesty that it's not a switch we just switch on or off. You know, suddenly we go from feeling like an alien inside our skin because none of this is what we thought would happen and we don't know how to get it back and actually we're never really going to get it back to then suddenly rubbing oil on our stretch marks and saying, I'm so grateful. It's not that easy and it's a bit of spiritual bypassing if I can get in my ranting stage for a second. The way that we tell women to just focus on their healthy babies is spiritual bypassing. Just be grateful mm. for what you have. No, as you've said, my yeah. soul is connected to my body and my body is connected to my soul and I need to feel good in this. Yeah. So, yeah, beautiful. It does need to be internal first. Yeah, and you're so right with spiritual bypassing. Like what it's really doing is when you're saying to women, I know that it's a it's a positive mindset, right? I get the principles all for that sort of thing. But what you're saying to a woman when you say, be grateful for your stretch marks because you have your baby, it's a complete dismissal of her feelings. It's completely dismissing how she feels about her body and implying that you're not allowed to feel bad mm -hmm. about your body after having babies. So it's this 
it's got this real manipulative undertone to it, doesn't it, in some way, which sounds awful because I know it's coming from a place of like we just want you to feel good and have a good mindset and be positive. But it's the underlying feeling when someone says that to me is that, well, if I still can't love my stretch marks while I'm rubbing oil on them, then does that make me a bad mum? Because I should just be grateful because I've got a baby and this is the price that I pay. So then it creates another story, doesn't it? That's it. Exactly. And also show us the images in the ads of women with stretch marks and then maybe we will start seeing them differently. But when the cultural assumption is still this perfect skin all the time, even post-babies, then we can't just affirmation our way past this I just thought it was a really you know obviously day in day out I live and breathe this I read so many books around motherhood and the experience of matrescence and the culture around motherhood and you know I'm always looking for those things that stand out a bit differently that's told in a different Mm -hmm. way or an honesty that I get goosebumps or tears around because I'm like yeah that's what we should be saying and I thought that the way you have honestly portrayed this, uh, perhaps I would even describe it as this internal battle of accepting the imperfection of this, mm. accepting that you got postnatal depression, accepting that the birth was traumatic, accepting that your body doesn't look the way it was. It's just this real honesty around I had to see that this was imperfect and not what I thought, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so much power in that acceptance. But I think that acceptance isn't something that we necessarily have to aim for. I feel like it's a result of a process that you go through and at the end that's what happens. I think sometimes mm. when you say to people, you should, it's just accept it. Like, yes, that helps when we're in those moments and you have to let go and just be like, okay, this is this is how it is, I need to let go. But I do think real acceptance of our experience in motherhood and as a woman comes from living it and being in it and then having that realization at the other side of just being like yeah actually this isn't I don't like the word perfect it's like more the way you describe it it's like the imperfectness of all of this is exactly how it's supposed to be yeah and that's the beautiful thing about this so Mm. when you say conscious motherhood We hear so much about conscious parenting. (laughs) And so it's really interesting to me that you chose that word, conscious motherhood, Mm. because when I read it, it's all about consciously aware of yourself. So how would you explain what conscious motherhood is? Yeah, I'll be honest. um, The name at first... I wasn't sure because I feel a little bit triggered sometimes by the term conscious parenting because I think that that, it's another thing that we think that we're supposed to be doing and another area that we could potentially fail in or we're not doing it right. And so there's all that expectation that comes with the term conscious. But when I wrote this book, I really felt like the underlying theme was that I just wanted women to be able to look at their own unique experience of motherhood with a really compassionate, forgiving and open mind because often all of the challenges that we have are either 
our perception that we have of ourselves and how it should be, which is fed by society or family or our upbringing, our personal experiences, all that sort of stuff. But so many of the biggest challenges we have are just being able to look at our own unique story and be able to be comfortable with the fact that this one-size-fits-all model of motherhood actually doesn't work. So for you to find peace in your experience as a mum, for you to find, um, I guess, like that balance where everything feels good, where you feel like motherhood feels nice and aligned and you feel connected and liberated as a woman at the same time, that's a really hard place to find, but we're always working towards having more of those moments, right? I was just so, thinking that when you're saying that, I'm like, gee, I get that every now and then. Yeah, that in itself is the conscious perspective on this. It's like we actually can't embody all of that all of the time. So looking at this with kindness and acceptance and just saying that motherhood will be moments. It will be moments we're aiming for those really connected, beautiful moments, but we're also accepting that in between those moments, life gets real and raising human beings to their greatest potential is no easy feat. And we're raising ourselves into motherhood too at the same time. So um, that was a bit of a long answer, but it's kind of... It was a beautiful answer. Absolutely. And I'm glad you said that because again, conscious parenting, motherhood, relationships, I've read a lot about conscious relationships myself recently. Assumes that underneath there is an unconscious way of doing it. And then we get really scared that if we're not conscious all the time, then we're screwing this up. Again, deeply ingrained in great intentions and Mm. so many beautiful insights and practices. But in this podcast, and I know in your work and in so many of these spaces, we just don't want mums to feel like this is one other thing they're going to get wrong. Yeah. But if you're conscious all the time if you yell if you look in the mirror and say awful things to yourself if there's a disconnect happening anywhere it's not because you're unconscious Mm. you know in fact you're aware of it that's consciousness you picked it up you noticed I felt like shit today because I said that thing to myself you know Mm. that's conscious awareness isn't it yeah yeah definitely and that's the best way to describe it sometimes we're always aiming for that you know this goal of like the perfect expression of what a woman or a mother might look like but the perfect expression of who you are is being true to yourself being true to your family and having awareness around the fact that we're all imperfect we're all going to make mistakes whether it's in motherhood or relationships or whatever it is and being able to accept that okay there's going to be times when I make mistakes there's going to be times when I choose the wrong path I can see that I have conscious awareness of that and now what do I do about it do I need to make an apology do I need to repair this situation do I need to do something to fix my heart um and that conscious awareness is where I think we should be aiming instead of this little perfect image of what it should look like. But I just want to welcome more moments into my day where I am able to go, oh, little light bulb moment. Okay. This is what I need. This is what the situation needs. This is what my kids need, whatever it is, but just having more of those moments. So in a practical way, what does that look like? 
So a mum is listening right now and she really wants to be able to pick up on that. She wants to be more conscious and aware. She recognises that, you know, that feeling of failure or disconnection or whatever is in her life. What are some things that you share and work for you in terms of being able to tap back into that during the day? Yeah. So there's a couple of things that I use throughout the day or, you know, have over the years and they're a little bit dependent on the headspace that I'm in. So if I'm feeling really good, like I'm having a great week, generally speaking, there's a few ups and downs, but I'm not in a really low space. I'm feeling quite good. I'll often have the capacity in the moment pretty much straight afterwards to be able to go, oh, okay, that's not how I would have liked to have handled that. I didn't really need to yell. I was a bit reactive. Sometimes it comes, I can even hear my intuition sometimes, like I can feel it might be the rage building up in me or something like that and I can feel it and then I hear this little voice. Sometimes it's there in the moment and it will just say to me, just calm down. But if I'm super elevated and I, my nervous system is a bit fried after a couple of months of dealing with all of the things in motherhood, I don't hear the intuitive nudge. I often can't be conscious even straight after the fact. So a couple of things that I have learned over the years is that it's actually okay for me to walk away when I need my moment to recalibrate and be able to open space for that conscious awareness because it's always there but when we're in full mum mode and there's all the things happening, we're like our nervous systems are just running on their basics, right? This whole fight or flight or we're just we're in survival mode or we're on autopilot where we're going through the motions but we're not super connected to anything that's really going on because we've got probably 50 tabs open in our head and we're just doing all the things in front of us. So when it's like that, I've learned that I need to, even if my kids are upset, like sometimes my daughter, and this triggers me even saying it out loud, but sometimes my daughter, she'll get upset because something's happened and I'm really elevated. I'm really triggered. All the things are happening. She's upset. She's like, I just want to cuddle. And sometimes I have to say, right now, sweetheart, mommy just needs a minute. I'm going to come back for that cuddle, but right now I just need a minute. And that's one of the hardest things you can do as a parent is to place your own needs over those of your child. Yeah. <laughs> I've just done like my hands in the air for those that are listening. I'm like, yes, hallelujah, yes. <laughs> and it's so hard, but then it's like, well, if I don't learn how to do this, I don't ever open up space to be able to say, to invite that conscious perspective. How can I think from a grounded space that's like reasonable and focusing on all of us equally and fair and what everyone needs in any given situation. If I'm stressed, overwhelmed, like heightened emotions, nervous system fried, like you can't get into a conscious perspective when you're like that. So I've learned as a self, like self-care, I just sometimes have to say, I'm sorry, mummy comes first in this moment. I don't word it like that. It would always be like, I'm coming back for that cuddle, but right now mummy just needs to take a breathing break. And so I would just go for a few minutes and just get my stuff together. And then 
come back. And then when I come back, then we can start to talk about, okay, how do we repair this? Mummy's lost it. She's yelled when she wished that she didn't. So then we start the repair process from there. And after the repair process has happened, what I think then happens is I feel like every moment that I make what feels like a decision that's good and aligned in my heart, whether it's like motherhood or making a decision for myself or nurturing the kids through a process, whenever I make that decision in my heart I've and it feels good and aligned, it feels like that's when I get the aha of like that conscious moment comes in when I'm like, oh, see how you handled that? Mm-hmm. That's you know, like that's that's what you're looking for. That moment is what you're looking for. You're not looking for the moment where you can click your fingers and solve the sibling rivalry and you can click your fingers and stop the emotional outburst or whatever it is. It's actually the moment sometimes takes longer than mums want it to, doesn't it? We, we need a fast fix <laughs> and sometimes yeah. that conscious awareness and that conscious perspective comes after we're able to ground ourselves and come back and then look at it and say, actually, I'm not a bad mum. If I was a bad mum, I would not even be aware that I've potentially done something that's upset my kids or not done the right thing, you know, like a a good mum has conscious awareness and she will come back and she will do all the things that she can to repair, mend, love, do whatever she has to for herself and her kids. So, And I just want to point out in that story about with your daughter, you know, the, the feminist in me loves that story <laughs> because what we're showing the next generation, especially of women but boys as well, that, you know, you don't just have to give yourself. You don't just swallow your own emotions and give yourself to someone else to soothe them. It comes from a place of checking in with yourself first. And my God, do our girls mm-hmm. and women need to know that? And I said, as our and our boys as well. But you know, yeah. having studied so much of why we silence ourselves as mothers, why we put ourselves second, why we don't prioritize our own emotions and needs, it starts from what mm-hmm. we are taught and see in those around us. So when you say, yeah. "I will one hundred percent be there with you," I just need a moment first. You're teaching her, she's allowed to say that to the world too. I will do what you need me to do, but I just need to fill myself first. Like I was doing my little hand in the air at that story. I was like, yes, (laughs) this is what we're teaching them. And this is why why it's going to change because when we are conscious as mums, not some guru mother that never yells, but conscious of Mm. our energy and our needs, then we change the next generation as well. Yeah, yeah, and it's. I think sometimes we underestimate the power in us just being ourselves in front of our children mm-hmm. because it, like you said, it gives them permission to ask for the space that they need. It gives them permission to see that people have faults. I mean, in those early years when I was in a really bad depressive state, and I talk a little bit about this in my book, I remember wanting to hide away when I was crying because I didn't want the kids to see me sad. I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to mess them up. They're just going to be traumatized if they see me like this. And over time, I think when you have severe depression, it's a bit hard to hide it all the time, especially when you've got really little kids at home with you. And I remember this one experience with my son and he came to me and he brought me 
little artwork that he'd done. He'd created like a board game on a piece of paper and he would have been like maybe four at the time. And he gave it to me and he said, Mommy, this is the game that will make you feel better. And at the time I burst into tears because his love was just, you know, that was just so profound in that moment. And later that day I remember feeling like, oh, my gosh, Kath, this is exactly what you shouldn't be doing to your kids. You shouldn't be crying so that they feel like they need to support you. You're traumatizing your children right now. What are you doing? Get it together. And I went into this shame spiral. And it wasn't until later that I thought about it probably months later and I thought, no, you know what? He sees my sadness and not only does he now understand that it's okay to have really big feelings, but he now also understands how to be compassionate towards another human being. And that was like life-changing for me. It was just like I need to show up 100% as I am in front of my children. I'm going to do my best not to hide away because sometimes it feels like it's good to hide away and that's okay too. But just to make sure that they see humanness in all of its realness you know and that they can see beauty yeah yeah exactly yeah wow and also see you rise from that Mm -hmm. you know it's a core example of yes mum was sad and mum got a bit lost but then mum found herself again yeah and that's that's what this is all about yeah and we're all wow. making a much bigger impact than we than we realize. I think exactly. all of us mamas need to just be so much kinder to ourselves and stop focusing on how a perfect mum looks like a mum that doesn't yell or she's got a great body or the kids are doing all the activities and smashing it at school and all the things. But what you should be focusing on is how you show up as a human because that's the greatest impact that you'll have on your kids. They take in everything all of it. And they want to see you cry. They need to see you be angry. They need to see you make mistakes and have to say sorry. They need to see all of it. They don't need a perfect version. And, you know, as much as it makes me cringe sometimes when my daughter calls my belly the donut belly, she makes her little belly, like squeezes it together. She's like, I've got a donut belly like mom and squeezes her (laughs) her, um, belly button together. It makes me cringe. I have I still have moments. And then I think, you know what? I'm showing her that like body image, she does there's no attachment to body image. And the more that we can just, whether it's that or like I said, everything, the more we just show up as real as we can possibly be, that's how we be good mums. That's what I think. I totally agree with you, Kathy. Wow, what a beautiful conversation. Uh, I meant it when I said the honesty in your book and the way that you are really vulnerable and showing the all the different colours of this experience, the dark, murky colours and the bright light, the beauty yeah. of it all. I really, really appreciated it. So you have a special offer for the listeners of this podcast if you would like to just tell everybody about that and where they can find it and I'll share it also in the show notes. Sure. Uh, Yeah, I have a new online course launching in August. It's called The Conscious Mother. There's that that name again. And it's a self-paced course that it's all online, obviously. And I want you to 
go into this course and go through a process. This isn't like a soft and fluffy. This is a let's find out your biggest barriers to being a connected and fulfilled mother and woman and let's slowly peel back those layers let's do some journaling work let's really start to go on a bit of a a journey within yourself so that you can find that conscious mother you can open up those little pockets of time in your day where you do have this conscious awareness because when we can be kind to ourselves we have a much nicer experience of motherhood so I would love to invite your listeners to 15% off for the course when it launches so they just need to use the code happy mama or one word and that will give them a discount there's no time frame on that either so just whenever people listen and want to jump on over they can have a look amazing thank you for that beautiful offer for everyone thank you for this book and this conversation i so appreciated it thank you so much amy it's always so lovely to chat with you and just be in your presence the work that you do is amazing and bringing all these women into the podcast i I love listening it's great (laughs) thank you thanks beautiful I always love where these episodes weave and twist the conversations, where it takes us, how it unfolds. And this one was no different. I loved the way that we explored what being a conscious mother is really about. And really, again, breaking down this myth that we need to be perfect in it. In fact, the beauty comes from the deep imperfection of all of it. You can find out about Kathy's work and that new program she has, The Conscious Mother, at her website, kathyspooner.com.au, and use the code HAPPYMAMA to get 15% off. All the details are in the show notes, of course, as well. As always, if there's anyone in your life that you would like to send this podcast to, please do that. This is how we change the stories for mothers is by sharing it with each other. And jump on Instagram and let Kathy and I both know what resonated most out of this conversation. Until next week, Satnam.